faith through Hebrews. So we're now looking at Hebrews 10, uh, starting in verse 11 and going through to 25. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly all the, the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on my heart, on their hearts, and write them on their minds. He then adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. What a privilege for me, again, to be here with all of you. And since uh, last Sunday, I was not able to be here with you. I'm, I'm trying to put two sermons together with the passage that we're going to be seeing this morning. But before, let's start with a word of prayer. Amen. Lord, this, this is your word. It meant, it's meant for your glory and for our good. It's meant to show us the Savior. It's meant to show us the way of salvation. It's meant to show us the way of faith and life. Show us all these things as we read your word this morning. And please, Lord, help us uh, not only to understand, but to really believe it. And help us, Lord, to embrace your word personally. For this, we ask the help of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Through the first ten chapters of Hebrews, we have discovered that the main point of this letter inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, is that Jesus... And I'm repeating this every Sunday, and I will do it once more this Sunday. Jesus is superior to anything Israel or the church of that time, and this church as well, could ever known. 
I remember once upon a time when I used to play basketball. Yes, don't let my size fool you. I play basketball once upon a time. And before the regular season, my coach spent a lot of time on a chalkboard explaining the new tactics he wants us to learn for the new season. It was the most boring time of our life. We wanted to be playing in the basketball court instead of being sitting there listening to our coach drawing lines and this is what you are going to do and again this is what you are going to be playing again and again ah but when it was time for a game the ones that had paid attention in the classroom were better prepared to play the game and even in the middle of the game, still the coach was repeating the same things over and over and over again. And we were like, yeah, we know the game. We know the play. But he was still screaming at us. Remember what I told you to do. Go and do it. Do it again. Hebrews is doing the same here. Before it goes to the practical aspects of the Christian life, it gives one more final reminder that our whole relationship with God, the entire Christian life, is based on the person and work of Jesus. Period. Look at verses 11 to 14. If you open your Bibles and go with me to Hebrews chapter 10, and we will read verses 11 to 14, look again what he is saying one more time. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repentance the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. He has been telling us this since chapter 1. And again here, he's repeating this again. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Do you remember how Hebrews chapter 1 starts? Long time ago, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophet. But in these days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also created the world. And then he says in verse, um, uh, in verse 3, 
He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification, the same he's saying in verses 11 to 14, and after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Repeating the same opening and putting it here for all of us. For by a single offering, says verse 14, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Notice the contrast here. The Old Testament priest it stands to offer sacrifices to God, but Christ has sat down. He entered to the presence of God, and he sat down. He is not like the priests that go again and again and never sit down because they need to get out as soon as they can after offering the sacrifice, but not Jesus. The Old Testament priest often offered the same sacrifice. Christ offered one sacrifice himself once and for all. Another contrast here is that the Old Testament sacrifice produced a remembrance of sin. Going every year, you need to be remembering what you did all year and you need to be asking forgiveness for all what you did. That was a remembrance of sin. But Christ's sacrifice makes forgiveness possible forever. Notice what verse 18 says, and where there is forgiveness of these sins, there is no longer offer any offering for sin. Forgiveness means sending away our sins have been pardoned and sent away forever. That is big, dear brothers and sisters. If you go with me to Psalm 103, if you open your Bible and go with me to Psalm 103, and we read verse 12, one of the beautiful verses that we find in the book of Psalms. Verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west. What it says? So far does he remove our transgressions from us. Do you believe that? You will never put together the east and the west. Never. So that far are our sins from us. If you go with me and you go to the book of Micah, Micah chapter 7, it's another beautiful passage that I love to read every time that I am feeling that I am not forgiven. 
Look, Micah 7, verse 18 and 19 says, Who is like you, Lord? Pardoning iniquity and passing over transgressions. Passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in his steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast, listen to this, listen to the word of God, you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. I have been watching all these um, little uh, um, comparison videos of the depths of the sea. They put a building of 20, 20 stores, and the sea looks like this. Then you put a hundred-store building, and the sea looked like this, and the building like this. Your sins are in the depths of the sea. Don't go fishing. Don't try. There are forgiven. There are forgiven. And look in Hebrews, if you go back to Hebrews chapter 10, one more time, he says, there is someone who is giving testimony of this. The writer here, through the Holy Spirit, is telling us, look, I'm not inventing something new here. This is what you have been hearing through the Old Testament, through the Holy Spirit. Look at verses 15 to 18. Hebrews 10, go with me to Hebrews 10, chapter 15 to 18. Who gives testimony of this? It says, and the Holy Spirit, the one who inspired the Old Testament, the one who gave you and me the Old Testament, is the one who is giving testimony about these things. I am not inventing here anything new. For you to know, it is written, the Holy Spirit through the Holy Scriptures also bear witness to us. For after saying in the Old Testament, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. And where there is forgiveness of this, there is no longer any offering for sin. The problem with the Old Testament was a problem of the heart. They had the law of God, but it was written on stones. But there, the Holy Spirit is telling us that when Christ came, because of him, 
Now he will write the laws of God in our own hearts and in our own minds. So when we obey God, we'll be not longer because we have been reading and we are trying to memorize and we are trying to accomplish what the law was written on stones, but we are from the inside out willing to obey God because it's in our hearts, written. It's not forced for us to obey what God wants us to do, to please him. It's not your own effort. It is the Holy Spirit writing the laws of God in your heart. And therefore... Hebrews, our passage, the first part of our passage closes saying, so I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. When we wrong someone we love, we usually feel miserable. Not everybody, but we usually we feel miserable and agonized until we hear the words, I forgive you. Then it seems that a weight is lifted from our shoulders and life resumes. Multiply that experience by a million times. The debt of sin had been paid and full pardon belongs to you and to me forever. And that is the lesson the book of Hebrews has been pressing until now for 10 chapters. But now it moves from the theoretical part to the practice. And the following verses are a call to action. It's an urgent call to set aside their spiritual paralysis. Instead of just being sitting in the classroom, now it's telling us, okay, it's time to move on. It is time to do something. Notice what it's doing in verse 19 and, 20 and 21. And you're going to hate me, but it's not me. It's, this, it's the scripture. It's saying one more time, verses 19 and 21. Listen to what it's saying. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus... He's repeating once more what he has been saying. By the new and living way that Jesus opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, that is through his sacrifice, that is through his blood. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, the first call to action comes in verse 22. Since we have 
an open door. Since we have confidence, since we have Jesus, the first call to action comes in verse 22 and says, let us draw near. And we will find three actions here to do. And both, and the three of them start with let us. And the first one is let us draw near with a true heart in verse 22. In full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure, with pure water. Let us draw near. It's an imperative here. And it speaks of a personal relationship with God. Israel in the Old Testament approached God to a certain distance. Do you remember that? In Mount Sinai, Israel was explicitly commanded not to draw close to God. That was in the Old Testament. What was the command? Do not draw near the mountain or I will strike, strike you down. That was the command in the Old Testament. Don't you dare to come close. There is a limit for you to come close to me. If a man or beast touches this mountain, I will strike you down. Those are terrifying words. And the people of Israel, they saw the mountain. It was like a pot smoking coming out of that mountain and thunders coming from the cloud. And the people of Israel, well, Moses, you go. <laughs> we are staying here. Now, the Holy Spirit is telling us that is, that is a new command. Let us draw near to God. Can you see what a big difference Jesus made in our lives? You can come near. God now is telling us, I will not strike you down. You have a wide open door to come to me. There are no more beautiful words to my ears than the sound of my two daughters calling me daddy. Or papi in Spanish. And that is the meaning to draw near to God. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There 
is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And because there is no more condemnation, Romans 15 and 16 says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Not anymore. But you have received the spirit of adoption of sons and daughters. And by the spirit, we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Papito, Lindo. The spirit himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That is the meaning of draw close to God. I have telling you a lot of times that after my mom divorced, we, my, my mom get married again, and I remember the day, almost the first day that I met this man, the first words he told me was, Marvin, you can call me daddy. I was eight years old. By that time, I, I didn't know my, my real father. And for me to hear that he was telling me, you can call me daddy for eight years, I haven't called anybody daddy. And that day, that day, I took him at his word, and I started to call him daddy until this day. He is my daddy. Every time that he calls me, he tells me, Marvin, remember, you are my son. I love you. That is the meaning of draw near, close to God. Because of Jesus, God is inviting us to come close, very close as a girl come close to his daddy. I love when my daughters come to me and says, daddy is cuddling time. They don't care if I am busy, if I am writing a sermon, if I am doing whatever. They just come, they, took it, they take their blanket, and then they cuddle me. And I need to stop everything that I am doing because I love that time with my daughters. That is, let us draw near to God. Now you can come close to God with a, with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts clean and our bodies washed with clean water. Let us draw near to God. Again, a little story from my days of basketball. 
Sometimes the couch asks us to do a man-to-man defense. And his instructions were something like this. I want you to be so close with your player that you will tell me the flavor of the gum he is chewing at the end of the game. I want to know if, he, if it was mint or sugar-free gum that close all the game or the part of the game that he was asking us to do one-on-one defense Feel the breath of your opponent. To look at his eyes and to get close to him. Let us draw near close. My dear brothers and sisters, whatever your circumstance, whatever problem you are facing today, Whatever sin you are guilty of right now, if you are in Christ, God wants you to draw near to him. God wants you to be intimate with him. That close. That you can feel his breath over your faith telling you, you are forgiven. I love you. You are my son. You are my daughter. You belong to me. Let me ask you this morning, have you been intimate with God this week? Have you been with God so close You can tell me what God wants you to do. That you can tell me that you felt his presence in your life so close that you want to go again and again and again. There is an old hymn called, Just As I Am, I Come, and says, Just as I am, and wanting not to read my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. I come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. I'm welcome with open arms. That is the invitation. That is something practical that you can start doing now in your life. Let us draw near, close to God. Second, since we have confidence to enter, 
And since we have Christ, let's read verse 23. Hebrews 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That is the second practical thing that you can do this morning. Let us hold fast. The idea is to hold on to God and to believe his promises. In other words, it means don't stop believing. Continue trust God. No matter what are you experiencing right now, continue trust God. I have spent, spent some time this week reading about a very renowned pastor who just recently announced, announced that he should not be considered a Christian anymore. And after his announcements, announcement, he divorced his wife and he's taking all his Christian books out of circulation and he is asking people to forgive him for the Christian things he wrote. Reading his story, a cold fear entered into my bones. Thinking about myself, Who am I compared to this respected pastor? But then reading this passage in Hebrews, the invitation is to hold fast to the confession of our hope. In you and me, there is no hope. But the Christian life, my friends, is to dig your fingernails in the hope that we have in Christ. It's to hold fast on Christ. It's to grab Christ and say to him, you are my hope. I cannot continue day after day without Jesus. In light of what Jesus has done and the fact that Jesus has brought you close to God, the second practical thing that you can do is now don't give up. Don't stop believing who Jesus is and what he has done for you. For he who promised is faithful. No, 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 no. It's not that you are promised to hold fast. No. He promised. And he is faithful. And the third 
thing that we find, a practical thing that we can do together this morning since we have confidence, since we have a great high priest, Jesus Christ is in verse 24 and verse 25. If you go and open your Bibles there and read with me verse 24 and 25, says the third let us. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drowning, drowning near. I love the King James translation of the word consider. It translates the word consider to provoke one another to love and good deeds. He calls us to draw near. He is inviting us to hold fast. And then he's telling us, provoke one another to love and do good deeds. Christ's work not only draw, draw us near to God and help us to hold fast to what we have believed, but it draws us closer to one another. It unites us so much that we can encourage to one another to do good, to love each other, And my dear friends, my dear brother and sister, I'm sorry to tell you this. This is not optional. In this new way of living, one practical thing that we should be doing is to get together as much as we can with the people of God and to stir one another to love and to do good deeds. It says, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some. You cannot think you can draw near to God without getting close to his people. How many times I have heard people, I love Jesus, but the church is a mess. So I prefer to be here alone. Let me tell you this. For that church, Jesus is coming for a second time. For that people that you think that are messed up is the people who Jesus died for. So the invitation is 
yeah, I'm another one that, uh, that is messed up. And I'm going to get close to all others that are same like me. Every time we come to this place, we should be asking the question, how can I provoke my brother and sister to get closer to God? What I can do today, this morning, looking at my sister, Joe, how can I provoke in her a profound desire to be close to God, to hold fast to God? How can I provoke my brother David Rumke to draw near to God, to hold fast, to do good deeds, to love another, to forgive others, to bear the, the, the burdens of your brother and sisters and sister how I can provoke my brother and sister to get closer? How can I encourage my brother and sister to hold fast to our communion? How can I provoke my sister and my brother to do good deeds? To do this, dear brothers, we must come and we must be together. And at the end says, all the more as we see the day drawing near. Very soon, this present night will be over. And a new day will break. That's a good news. The day, it's coming. That day is near to us every day. We are one day more closer to that day. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> one day more closer than yesterday tomorrow one day closer than today. And this is why we should draw near. Near than yesterday. We should hold fast. Hold fast than yesterday. And to make sure that I have done my utmost to encourage and to help my fellow brother and sister to do the same. Three practical things they do. Let us hold, let us draw near. And at the end, says in verse 24, let us consider. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you for the encouragement that we receive from you. Scenes. You open a way to come close to you. Since we have you, Jesus. We pray that you will help us.
to do these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing together these clothes in him. Let us remember what Jesus did for all of us at the cross. And that this can be our inspiration today to put into practice what we have learned this morning. Amen. Let's sing together, Carl.